and give a warm welcome to Jeremiah Pickerel. You know Jeremiah is a very gifted communicator of the word. We're in for a treat today. Good food. Amen. Morning. I'm here. All right. It's excited to be here this morning. Uh, still feeling some after effects of the prayer room. Uh, really got blasted there with the Holy Spirit. Wow. And worship was amazing. Baptisms were amazing. Sending off people to do ministry. <laughs> so much good God stuff this morning. Uh, so I'll uh, start us out with a couple uh, jokes. Um, you may have seen this one, but here's our first one here. In one second. Please hold. If Jesus tried to feed the 5,000 today, you would hear this. I can't eat that. I'm vegan. Has that fish been tested for mercury? Is that bread gluten-free? So true, huh? This one. Christians getting ready to discuss theology with love and grace in the comment section. <laughs> uh, I thought that one goes really good with this morning. Uh, sermon title is, uh, Don't Build a Fence. Don't Build a Fence. And I just want to make a couple statements um, that I believe um, are true regarding this. Um, to actually, actually to go against this statement. So I believe great relationships still do exist. I really do. I don't believe that every marriage has to be dysfunctional. I, don't believe, I believe that a marriage can be extremely a blessing in our lives, an extreme blessing in our lives. It doesn't have to be dysfunctional. I don't believe parents have to hate their kids or kids hate their Parents, I believe Christ offers us plenty of wisdom in the scripture about not only how to relate to him, but how to relate to one another. I also believe you can't worship Christ properly and treat people like dirt. So sometimes you have to get it right on the horizontal level before you can get it right on the vertical level. I believe you need to put down the magnifying glass and pick up a mirror. Because sometimes when you're looking to change something in other people, the place you need to start most is with you. If you don't see yourself correctly, how in the world can you help anybody else with their own issues? I believe if you don't, you're just going to end up projecting your dysfunction onto them. I believe then you'll be fixing things that are really wrong with you, but trying to fix it on the platform of their life, and that's not good. That won't help you stay married. That won't help you be friends with your kids or that parent. It won't help you raise your children right. It won't help you relate to your coworker or your boss when you're projecting your problems onto them. 
So what I want to share is along the lines today to focus on the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And an area I want to focus on is Matthew 5, 21 through 26. And I want to talk to you about how to not build a fence. And if you do, how that offense can become a prison of offense. I believe today that God is going to set us free from offense. And I'm speaking in faith this morning because I'm seeing it in my own life and I want to see it in your life. Because I don't want you to be in a prison of offense. I want you to be set free in who you truly are in Christ. So let's start out here. Jesus saying in Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago. You shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother and sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not, truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. So Jesus begins with this idea that long before something happens in our life, it happens in our hearts. It starts in our hearts. He says here, there, there's this command, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. He continues in Matthew 5, 22, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of fire and hell. What does Raka mean? Raka means worthless, empty. So when you use Raka towards your brothers and sisters, you are telling them that they are worthless. And they are empty. Again, anyone who says to a brother and sister, Raka, is answerable to court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of fire and hell. If you say that to your brother and sister, you are answerable to court. Or in the Sanhedrin, anyone who says to his brother or sister, you fool, will be in danger of what? The fire of hell. He's saying, in the knowledge of this, that what starts in the heart doesn't stay in the heart. What starts as a thought turns into a word that can actually create a living hell in your life. 
Do you know you can turn your home into a living hell by just what you allow access to your heart? What you allow into your heart begins to change how your home will be. You can turn a beautiful relationship literally into a garbage dump. In fact, when Jesus says you'll be in danger of the fires of hell here, he's not so much speaking something abstract or theoretical. He's referring to Gehenna, which Jewish people would have been familiar with this. It's a place where they used to go and sacrifice humans. They would sacrifice their babies to the false god Moloch. Does that sound familiar currently with our current society? We sacrifice our children in the name of my body, my choice, the God of the flesh. We sacrifice our children as they were doing here. So Jesus brings up this place and he's, And he's saying that anger within your heart and unresolved conflict in your relationship can make your heart a what? A living hell. There's a reality to be examined here about the progression of a fence or building a fence in our lives. Have you ever noticed that we seem to be living right now in a heightened age of perpetual offense? a.k.a. cancel culture, politically correct, and all those different terms. And, you know, recently on a post, it took me like 20 to 30 minutes uh, on social media to compose what I was going to say in a post because I was so concerned about offending someone. I wanted to make sure my post didn't offend somebody, but came across in a loving way, but in a truthful way, without offending someone. And you know, and, and I finally made that post, and then, but I was still checking back to see who had liked my post and who had loved my post, and uh, and then there was other people that commented commented after that that was contradictory to my post. And so I felt like, oh, I hope they didn't take offense by my post. I don't post very often on social media. I, I used to like the aspects of the connection of social media, but the enemy has taken social media and really corrupted it, and it's really hard to interact with it anymore. And so I've disconnected quite a bit from it. But... My wife and I, and it's just really affecting the culture, and my wife and I just recently went to a show at the fairground um, with Sherms. We every once in a while we get these benefits to go to these shows, and it was a comedian. It was fluffy. One thing I like, uh, um, one thing I like going to the fairgrounds is they hold a higher standard for people that come in there. It has to be family and kid appropriate. So I like going to those. So we go see Fluffy, and he's, He's uh, talking about this cancel culture that has attacked him. And all it was, he didn't even know. It just blindsided him. He was talking about how he was starring in a movie for Space Jam, and he was going to be the voice of Speedy Gonzalez. 
And if you know Fluffy or... Um, I'm spacing his name for a second. But anyways, um, Gabriel Iglesias. He is Hispanic. And you know what? Something rose up inside of him, he said, that no, this is wrong. This cancel culture is wrong. He says, he said to the cancel culture, he responded to them, and he said to them, you know what? I am proud of my heritage. You know what? Speedy Gonzalez in my house when I was raised... He was a hero. He was fast. He could do things amazingly fast. And we were, we were proud of him in our home. And so I am proud to be the voice of Speedy Gonzalez in this movie. Now, unfortunately, the actor that was playing Pepe Le Pew succumbed to the cancel culture. He backed out, and Warner Brother pulled that character completely out of the movie based on what people were attacking with. And people just seem to be this extra offendable per, you know, environment right now. And some Christians even can be the worst about this. And, and it's kind of ironic that with Christians being offended, especially when we come from a relationship with Jesus who literally what? He dropped every offense that we have brought to him or done against him. He has dropped those. So I want to say here, let's work on being unoffendable. Let's work on being unoffendable. I want, you to, I want to invite you to begin to work on this because Jesus says that this offense, however it started with your brother and sister, if you entertain it, it creates a living hell that spirals out of control. The enemy's agenda in our life is destruction. In John 10.10, 10, Anthony quoted it this morning before the baptism because it's a reminder that the enemy wants to what? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy probably was trying to steal salvation from that family. But they pressed forth. They accepted Christ. They made a declaration, a stand. That's just the start, though. That's just the start. But the enemy's agenda is destruction. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. God is a giver. The enemy is a taker. He wants to destroy every good thing God put in your life, and that's his agenda. His strategy is division. And Jesus shared with us in Matthew 12, 25, or 12, yeah, chapter 12, verse 25, that a house divided against itself can't stand. Jesus said, if the enemy wants to destroy your house, the first thing he must do to destroy your house is what? To divide your house. Look at our nation. It's actually on the verge of destruction. It's knocking at the door. Why is it there? 
How did we get there? How did we get there? In our relationships, how did I get there? In my friendship with my kids, how did I get there? Because the enemy comes in to divide. Why does he come in to divide? To destroy your house. For my example this morning, I want to use a married couple. And so um, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm just, I've already asked permission of this couple. Um, Willow and Dave, will you guys hustle on up here? They're going to. I wanted a fairly, fairly newly married couple, and they've been married um, almost four years. So thank you guys for coming up. Willow and I wore our wild pants this morning. I wore my purple ones, and she wore her striped ones, so it's perfect, perfect. So, and this example is just not for marriages. It's for all relationships, so apply it where you need it. But I figured, you know, marriage illustration is great because some other points I want to put in here too. And this example, though, applies to all relationships. But, you know, what the enemy comes along and does is he comes along and he wants this. And my hands are cold, according to David. (laughs) But constantly, you know, God wants to bring us here. But the enemy wants to separate us. You know what? And this just doesn't happen all of a sudden. The enemy just just doesn't show up and say to David, Hey, David, I'm going to destroy your home. I'm going to bring division between you and your beautiful wife over there. And if the enemy came that way, David here, do it with me, puff out your chest. There's no way you're going to do that in my home. I cast you out in the name of Jesus. But that's not how the enemy comes, does he? The enemy comes, and we start like this, and he starts with one little fence at a time and begins to separate us. Have you guys go sit down for a minute. I'll bring you back up. So, what do I got here? Fist posts, but it's a plank. A plank fist post. So, a lot of us are walking around with this big old plank in our eye. And we're going around... And we're whacking people on the side of the head. We're tripping them up and we're knocking them down to the ground. And we're focusing on the speck in their eye. But you know what we're doing with this large offense and this large speck when we're whacking people on the head? When you focus and you take this and you're focusing on the small speck in someone's life, guess what you're doing? You're building and contributing to a plank in their eye. Because what builds this plank? 
What is this made of? It is made of sin, but there's little fibers and pieces that bring it together. Small offenses. You're whacking people on the head for their small offense. And guess what is happening in their life? A plank is forming in their eye. And they start going around whacking people in the head, tripping people up, and knocking them down. It's the contrast between the small things and the big things. It starts small, but it forms a plank. You know, and we wonder, you know, these times come along and this person's getting divorced or something's happened scandalous in the church or this person's hooked up with this person or how did they get there? What happened? It started with small offenses and it gets to that larger place. To me, the heart of what Jesus is teaching in the passage of Matthew 5, as you you break it down, it shows you how specks become planks and what happens. He said it could be something small as a word. And you know, the closer the relationship, the greater the opportunity. And it goes both ways. The closer the relationship, the greater the opportunity for intimacy. However, the closer the relationship, the greater the opportunity for offense to build. Why? It's because nobody can make you really mad like somebody you really love. Nobody can hurt you like somebody you give your heart to. And I've asked this question many times. How does this amazing loving couple... And I'm not claiming anything over them. They are an amazing, loving couple. And I, I proclaim many years of amazing love over that relationship. But what happens sometimes is we get focused on the little things and what starts out there as this amazing, in love couple. And you're like, what happened? Five, ten years later, they're filing for divorce in the court. Did you see the big smile on David's face up here over his wife? But like I said, how, do you, how does someone get to the point that they are now your enemy, your adversary? And my goal today isn't so much to evaluate all our mistakes, but just to show you something that happens And it just happens with one offense at a time. Yes, there are those betrayals. There's things that happen. There is abuse that happens. And I'm not saying that if that happens that you need to stick around. You know, that person needs to get some stuff fixed in their life before there's any consideration for that relation coming back together. But I want to focus on what Jesus is talking about here. He said, if you get something in your heart against your brother or sister, and then you nurse it and you rehearse it long enough, it will literally create a smoldering 
garbage dump of fire in the very relationship that was once a garden of potential of love. And that's what this back here represents this morning. This is the garden of your life and your relationship. It happens one offense at a time. Jesus says in verse 23, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember your brother and sister as something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. And this is my little added part about the interpretation of the rest of the scripture. And get it right with the person it's not right with before you sing a song or pray a prayer to cover up the fact that your relationship is under attack. Jesus says it's possible for you to be doing something on the outward level and at an inward level, you're full of anger and resentment. So this morning when you're singing, when we were singing that song, we see your face. We see your face. We see your face. It's possible that in the background, because of an offense, you're saying, we see your face. Except over what my spouse is doing. We see your face except for what my parents have done to me. We see your face, except for what my boss has done to me. So you can come to the very altar and put on this beautiful worship scene, but in the background there can be these spirits, spirit of offense going on in your life. And you know what's doing to you in that? It is bringing a, a separation between you and God and your full access to what's available to you at the altar. So when you are bringing your worship to the altar, Jesus is saying, make sure that you are right. Make sure the, you take care of the offenses in your, your life. Take care of those things. Because... And the reason he's saying it is because he doesn't want you to end up before the judge and in prison. He doesn't want you to be bound. He wants you to be set free to your full potential and who you are in Christ. Can I have Willow and Dave back up here? It always starts off as raka, you fool. And next thing you know, you're living in a garbage dump. So, like I said here, these uh, planter boxes represent their relationship. So, well, I'm going to have you come stand over here. You're not separated. You got, you got, your, you got, you got your. I'm going to have you stand right here. So, so they're, they're, they're joined together. They have this beautiful garden in their life with these beautiful flowers, you know. And offense is a funny thing. It comes along in such subtle ways, doesn't it? And so 
No. <laughs> so he can be holding an offense, or she could be holding an offense. I won't whack you, I promise. <laughs> and it can start simple. It could start like something like this. Dave's at Thanksgiving dinner at um, his mom's house, let's say. And he says, man, mom, you make the best stuffing ever. No one ever makes stuffing like you, mom. No one ever. You make it so perfect. Willow, on the other hand, <laughs> is hearing, well, I made him stuffing. So is he saying that my stuffing is not good enough? And an offense, an unspoken offense, is started. Now, it's uh, Dave's birthday. And in Dave's family on their birthday, he wakes up to pancakes in bed. And that's how it was when he was a kid. So Dave is, they wake up in the morning, and Willow's there. And she's like, happy birthday, Dave. Um, tonight, I'm going to take you to dinner, to your favorite restaurant. And she kisses him on the cheek, and out the door she goes. And Dave's like, where's my pancakes? Where's my pancakes? <laughs> I didn't get my pancakes. And an offense is built. See how small they can start out as? Willow comes home from work takes Dave to dinner, but Dave's still stewing about his pancakes. So dinner is really uncomfortable and awkward. And Willow is like, doesn't he value what I am doing for him? Can't he see the nice dinner that I'm taking him to? Why doesn't he value what I'm doing for him? And an offense is built. And offenses are funny that way. You didn't pay attention to me today. Why didn't you spend time with me? And you know what? Unmet expectations are some of the worst in relationships because we come in with these preconceived ideas of how a relationship should work. And based on those unmet expectations, we form an offense. We can get this to stay. We don't want it to stay, but just for a minute. Or unmet expectations of what you thought the person was going to be. 
And the enemy doesn't stop, does he? He just keeps adding these million different offenses in our lives. Like one recently that happened in my own relationship. But my wife and I worked through it. But it didn't start out that way at first. I got permission, by the way, to share this. And guys, that's always important. Get permission to share. (laughs) So... I was preparing to do a celebration of life service for a friend. And uh, in that preparation, uh, my wife loves that I go grocery shopping with her. You know what? And it's at the same very store that I work at every single day. (laughs) And I hate going back there and grocery shopping. (laughs) But I go because she loves having me along. And she loves that time that we just talk and just spend time shopping. Well, she's texting me, well, we need to go at this certain time, you know, and I'm still finishing up my prep, you know, for the celebration of life service. And, uh, and she, she's like, and we need to get these, these certain things in the car and different things. So I'm thinking, okay, she's working on that. So I come down the stairs and here she is on her phone. I'm thinking she's on social media. And I'm like, oh, I just immediately get offended. Like, you want me to come along. I'm not saying this. I'm thinking this. You want me to come along, but you haven't got any of this stuff ready. And so immediately, I'm like thinking in my head, it's okay. I got this. I'll go put that stuff in the car. I'll get it ready to go. You know what? I'll take care of that. And I dig it in deep. And I'm like, I got it. Don't worry. And she's still inside on her phone. (laughs) Then I come back in and she can see I'm visibly upset. And she doesn't know why I'm upset. And I'm like, I say it. I say, it's okay, I got it. We got to go and go do this grocery shopping. It would have been nice if the car would have been loaded and ready to go. Ouch. Know what she was doing? She wasn't on her phone for social media. She was putting the grocery list together. (laughs) I didn't know that. So she's like, doesn't he realize what I was doing? Doesn't he know I was doing my part to make this happen? And that offense just builds and builds are literally you're no longer welcome in your very relationship and it's not them that's in prison it's you you have just built your own prison you've allowed the enemy to take you to the judge and put you in prison And now you have to pay every penny for that to get back out. You know what the good thing is? We have someone that paid it for us. So in that, Christ wants us to deal with it. He wants us, my wife and I talked it out in the car on our way to the grocery store. (laughs) 
and we worked it out. And you know what? That's how it works. You talk it out, you forgive one another, you reconcile, and you drop it. So when that offense comes along, what do you do, Willow? You drop it. That offense comes along, what do you do? You drop it. Let's all say this together. Let's proclaim it. When that offense comes along and whatever you're dealing with, what do you do? You drop it. Someone doesn't do the right thing. You talk to them. You work it out. And you what? You drop the offense. And as you, you keep doing that, pretty soon, as you drop it, offenses have no power over you. You are unoffendable. You are unoffendable. Last quick story. Laundry. I get it all in the wash. My wife uh, says to me, not through my alarm, sorry. Anyways, uh, my wife says to me, Jerry, you really need to make sure your pockets are cleaned out. And I'm like, okay, Mom. I didn't say that. I thought that in my head. I was wise not to speak it. Then, in the same laundry, my wife says, Jerry, it would be great when you take your shirts off and put them in the laundry if you'd leave them right side out instead of inside out because it makes it so much easier to fold and I don't have to turn them right side out each time. And I started to think again, okay, Mom. <laughs> but I felt the Spirit come in and say, don't be offended when she's asking for help. A lot of times when people speak something to you, they're asking for help. Don't let a small offense by someone or what they say begin to form a plank in your eye. So we don't need any more planks in this world. We don't need them. We need people to lay it at the cross and do what Jesus did and just drop it. Just drop it. Let us stand. So just as a declaration, can you guys just raise your hands for a moment and just keep them up. I just want you to keep them up. And just imagine that you are holding these planks of offense. And right now, I just pray, Holy Spirit, make it feel heavy. Make that offense feel heavy right now. So I just felt this morning that the Holy Spirit wants to, and Jesus wants to show you how heavy this offense is that you're carrying over your life. And before you come to the altar, before you come and offer your praise, what does Jesus say? Go resolve it quickly. He wants you to drop it. 
So as a symbol of that right now this morning, you are making a declaration to allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and just point out some areas that you have offense that he wants to work with you so that you can drop it. Now put your hands down. You literally just dropped that and allowed him to come in. So Holy Spirit, this morning we just declare over each one of us that we learn to quickly drop the offense and become unoffendable in you to take away the power of the enemy so that lives are healed, relationships are restored. And we just thank you for that and your, what your son did for us on the cross, Lord Jesus, for us. The ultimate sacrifice and dropping it all and saying, I forgive you. I welcome you. Come have a relationship. My arms are open. We just thank you for that this morning. In your name, amen. Florida Hand and Jerahan, well done. Thank you. We want the welcome, don't we? We want the welcome to flow. Spirit of offense, we put it under the blood of Jesus. Live that way. It could be that some, uh, um, some of us want to spend a little time at the altar just praying through some things in response to this word. You heard the voice of God in a way you need to do some business with God. It could be that you'd like healing prayer. There'll be a team up here that will pray for you for healing some area of your body, soul, or spirit. could be that you're not uh, right with Jesus and this is your day. We even have a baptism after the service now, today. So if you'd like to get baptized today and go home wet, that'd be okay. We got towels. We'll, we'll dry you off. Then we'll send you home. You might want to come, come up and get baptized. You, you feel like God might be speaking to you about that. We love you. Thank you for being with us today. Go with a welcome in your heart, okay? God bless you.